What up, Chomp Nation? Don't touch that dial, you're not listening to the wrong show. Shay Layton had to travel to Connecticut to fire Vince McMahon and arrest Steve Bannon. It's me, Rich Meister, here holding down the Chompcast fort. Uh, just hanging out, just doing my thing, joined by the one and only Josh Fowler. Josh, what's going on? Trying to stay awake. Trying to stay awake. I, uh, remember we had our, our poll about gaming all-nighters. Not, yeah. not too long ago. You played 17 hours of a game, didn't you? I, yeah, I played 17 hours of a game without intending to. Um, looked up and it was 7 o'clock this morning. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. Just so everyone has a backstory there. Josh messages me like maybe two or three hours ago. Because I was asking him what games he played this week for us to talk about today. And he goes, oh, I played Stacklands. And I was like, oh, I was looking at that. It's like $5. And I didn't buy my Steam Deck because I'm poor, so they refunded my $5 deposit. And I was like, I'll use that to buy Stacklands. I go to turn this game on, I see that, I see Josh Fowler has played 17.5 hours recently, and I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was the one sitting. That's the one, that's the one. But, um, today, we do in fact have games to talk about, uh, if it wasn't obvious, Stacklands is among them. We are also going to talk about the one you've been waiting for, Stray. That's right, it's Cat Came Day. Yeah, Cat Came. Cat Game Day. Mm. You can use that take. That's the best take. Um, <laughs> I am... You told me another game you played, and I completely lost it because I'm an idiot. Stray. Oh, it was just Stray and Stacklands, so I'm less of an idiot than I thought. Yes, yeah. Those, those, those were the two. Okay, that's fine, I mean, then. I, I played... A little more, uh, Zell, but not enough to talk about it if you haven't gotten to it yet, so. Yeah, no, 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 I have not, so yeah. we will talk yeah, about Stacklands. I don't have enough new thoughts to bring it um, up. So. We will talk about, um, and Stray, because those are the two big ones. Um, maybe I can fit in a little more Mothman 1966, because I played a considerable amount more of that, and I'm going to have a review up soon. There's a review on the site right now for Stray, actually, because that's how quickly I played that game, so. After we talk about it, if you want deeper thoughts, you can go there. Um, You're not going to get deep thoughts here. That's just a... That's not what we do. Yeah. Especially with Shay Gone, it's more of a loose, more improvisational format. We don't really know what we're doing. Um, you're going to get two weeks of this, so strap the fuck in. Mm -hmm. um, today, Josh and I decided we wanted to keep it light, and we wanted to do the thing we do when Shay is away, which is talk about old games. You're not listening to the wrong show. We just really like talking about old games. Uh, so today we thought we would have fun and rank the 2D Zeldas. And I want to, out the front gate here, before we, we get heavy-handed with this, point out, I know I probably missed some. I only rank the ones that matter. You're going to argue to me that the CDI games are technically 2D Zeldas? You're right. You're technically right. That's the best kind of right to be. But they're also technically garbage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Josh, before we get into it, what do you got? What have you been going on this week besides playing 17 hours of Stacklands? Oh, um... What have I been doing this week? Good grief. Um, trying to get the family ready. They're going out of town here coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Like not 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 immediately soon, but uh, soon-ish. So there's just a lot to plan to get uh, everybody ready 
And to, you got to uh, set up your traps for the wet bandits. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, so doing a lot of that, just getting everybody else ready. Kind of not, not really focusing on myself a lot this week, just trying to take care of everything else. Spinning plates, mostly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that feel. Um, I have a uh, bachelor party and wedding coming up, so uh, that's we have to record early next week for that, so I just feel like I'm spending a lot of money on things like tuxedos and yep. and you know bachelor like obviously for anyone who's never like planned a bachelor party before it's typically rude if you make the person getting married pay um so a lot of hotel expenses and things like that it's been fun and expensive yeah i love expenses um they're my favorite especially oh, yeah. in this growing economy um, as I went into my boss's office today, I explained to him that I would like to be uh, my pay raised to $50 an hour uh, as soon as he can get on that. Yeah. Seems, seems doable from where I'm standing. I mean, I've heard something about record profits, so uh, that, That's that the, should yeah. be in the cards. They keep talking about how, how far in the green the numbers are, but I still can't make rent. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I don't know how long we're going to linger on this. Should we... Should we just fucking get into these 10 games? Should I read off the 10 and then we start from number 10 and kind of go from there? Sure. Sure. Yeah, we All can right, do that. Let's do this thing. So the game's on the table, ladies and gentlemen. The Legend of Zelda for the NES, the classic. The Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. An undervalued game. A weird game, also for the NES. Mm-hmm. Then we have Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for the SNES. The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. The Legend of Zelda, The Oracle of Ages and The Oracle of Seasons. These are two games. We are linking them together as one because while there are differences, we're going to say on their merits alone, they're basically the same game. We'll get into the minutia of which one of them is better. Don't worry. I know you're all waiting well, with bated breath. Yeah. I think less so the same game than uh, all one game. Yeah. So. It, I, so. I mean, originally that was supposed to be three games. Yeah. This, they were like a Triforce thing. But then they were yeah. like, listen, Pokemon's pushing it with two. We can't sell three games. That would have been a, mu- a bit much. Yeah. A little bit. Um, another pairing. We're going to pair the Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventure. That is the one that came with the Game Boy Advance version of A Link to the Past, as well as the separate GameCube release. These are slightly different games. Uh, One of them is clearly the better one, uh, but they both have weird drawbacks that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap for the GBA. Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass for the DS. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks for the DS. And The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds for the 3DS. Ten games. Oh, yeah. vying for the number one spot. So, I think we gotta... We gotta start somewhere. Josh, what's the worst 2D Zelda game? <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably... I have one in mind, so I want to see what e- you think. It's either... It's probably Four Swords Adventure because that was not really made with, you know, sit down and play this by yourself as, you know. Yeah, I was kind of in the same spot with this. Like, Four Swords Adventure 
has its bright spots. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it feels like this super gimmicky thing that they did not think about enough. Like, um, it was a cool gimmick, but, like... You understand why it was originally latched onto a re-release of A Link to the Past. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, kind of proof of concept of it. Uh, that, that initial just, you know, Four Swords kind of half of a game was... Uh, like, it's good. It's, it's, it's a fun little light co-op dungeon thing. It's neat that it happened to be on, you know, a re-release of a game. The full Four Swords Adventure release is also pretty good, but it's it's still structured like you're going to play it co-op. Like, you know, kind of, yeah. it's got a real party game vibe to it still that... It's structured like you want to play it that way, yeah. and yet it makes it incredibly difficult to do so. Yes, because of the whole... Everyone needs to have a Game Boy Advance and a uh, GameCube Link cable. Or if you're a good host like I am, you just own four GameCube Link cables. Which is insane. You're an insane yeah. person. Um, yeah, for anyone unfamiliar with this weird era in GameCube... Uh, there was a device called the GameCube, uh, the Game Boy Link Cable, which was a cable that plugged into the controller port of your GameCube and then plugged into a Game Boy Advance. And then for games like The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, uh, you could plug that in and then Tingle would break out of Sex Offender Jail and he would come drop bombs for you in Wind Waker. Mm -hmm. Um, or if you were designing a game poorly, uh, like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, if you wanted to play it multiplayer, every Everyone. single person... Similar, similar thing there. ...would have to have a Game uh, Boy Advance link cable and a Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Even the person whose console it was. That's the part that always baffled me. Like, I yeah. get behind the idea of, like, you need to have one for players two, three, and four, but no, everybody had to have one. Yeah. Um, well, I think and because Force at that point was the there same. was no actual pausing, because... Uh, neat thing, neat implementation. This is, you know, it doesn't seem like it should have happened this far ago because no one's still doing... Well, the closest we come to this now is stuff like the Jackbox games where everyone has their own individual client. Via their phone, which was Via, the most brilliant, like, yes. a revelatory idea, which obviously wouldn't have worked back then. Wouldn't have worked back then. There were no smartphones. But the, the neat thing about this was that... You weren't just using the Game Boy Advance as a controller. There was input going to the Game Boy Advance that would give you your own... It, it was using the screen. It wasn't just to a controller. To give you a HUD menu. You could have, on a lot of games, it was your menu. On the Four Swords games, they did um, basically the same thing as a lot of the Game Boy... Well, not just Game Boy, but a lot of the 2D Zeldas will have this thing where it's a top-down game if you, like, climb down a ladder or something, now it's a side-scrolling game. Um, and, and more more Zeldas coming up do that. Uh, yes, one of yeah. them, I think, to tremendous effect. But point being, uh, on the Four Swords Adventures, anytime the shared screen was the top-down thing, but anytime anyone, like, went down a ladder or something and moved into a 2D layer... Or, in, or to a side-scrolling layer, it would then be on the Game Boy Advance. So you could, like, kind of hide around. It was They actually did some neat, not just co-op, but, like, 
battle stages using this sort of a thing because uh, there eventually could be a hidden 3DS knowledge. game came out that was that like that gimmick realized yes uh, i think it was called like triforce warriors or something like that mm-hmm. i that's not on this list because it's not a traditional too, Zelda too much game. of a spinoff at that point but yeah it's not a traditional zelda game it's almost like a smash brothers as clone where everybody's link yeah yeah but that that sort of i did like that combat idea of the whole you know some shared info and some private info it's a um, novel idea yeah. and like i get why it eventually came out as a 3ds game i'm surprised it took as long as it did to become a thing yes yeah i think that was one of the upsides of the wii u that almost never got used but a few people kind of knew that you could do the whole different knowledge well it was it it kind of like for for co-op or competitive games i i always talked about this and um one of the things i think would have been great on the wii u uh which i think a testament to how great it is is normally you do it on a computer but i think the vr version of it is so good is keep talking and nobody explodes yeah yeah, where the bomb would have been on the gamepad, like there's yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that you could do pretty well with with that setup. There are there are a few of them that I like. There was one where you're like commanding a sub, but like you know one of you has different a different set of controls on the uh, the gamepad. Um, yeah, than, yeah, and the other yeah, it's it's neat. Like it's a really cool idea. I think you could also do some really cool like you know dungeon master type stuff like whoever has the gamepad like okay i can place enemies here yeah some digital dnd yeah, shit yeah that kind of only works in pc games where you can just have yeah players who get certain information and other players that don't have that information yeah th- that was a console with a lot more potential for weird shit yeah that never really got realized because it just didn't sell well so. I, I i still think to this day and this is a whole different conversation we'll have to have on this show at some point i think whatever a switch 2 is like a proper successor that isn't just a switch with better hardware yeah should have some kind of streaming component where like you can still be playing it on the tv without, when it's undocked and the person holding it is getting that sort of information that would be really cool and that seems doable given it seems i mean perfectly doable it like it, how doable, latent that's going it, to be how think, effective it's going to be is the issue. Well, I think maybe less so the how effective than to have a TV that would be compatible with that sort of thing. You're you're locking off probably a bigger part of your. Well, I'd imagine you have to have something in the than you in the dock to. component for to stream too. Yeah, you could do that instead of have. I was thinking just stream directly to a TV, like a That's lot of the, other. The, hard, yeah. Through an app, yeah, that's the easiest way, and I think that like maybe you get a stronger connection doing that, but I think you could just have some yeah. level of hardware in the dock. Well, yeah, yeah, it makes more sense to do it through the dock, that way you don't have to worry about... It not working for everyone. Yeah, somebody getting locked out because, I don't. oh, my TV's too old. My tube um, TV can't handle this. Yeah. <laughs> we got really sidetracked there. Yeah, uh, but, okay, that's what we do here. Uh, so, Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventure is the worst 2D Zelda game, we've decided. Probably. Depending on context. So. Things could change as we go on. Yeah. Like, I'm not up to, like, being like, you know what, this sucks, actually, as we talk more about a game. Yep. Um, I am going to throw something out here as the ninth worst Zelda game, and I, I kind of want you to help me here. Yeah. I don't particularly like either of these games, but I don't know which one of them I like less. And I'm talking about the, the DS games. I'm talking about Phantom Hourglass yeah. and Spirit Tracks. Yeah, I figured as much. Um, I feel like I respect Spirit Track's gimmick more, and that, like, bolsters it a little bit for me. Because they completely lean into it. 
Yeah, yeah like you're guiding a ghost train. It's, it's Link's dressed like a conductor. That game is not great, but it's weird. I think they're both really weird. I think Spirit Tracks generally gets shit on a lot more because it is on rails. Pause for laughter. Um, Cause a train. Yeah, let yeah. Me put a, um, let me put a train horn right there. But also, I think as far as like the actual dungeon design, it, it's pretty good. Like they did, they, they did a pretty good job with it. And I it, think because it's on rails, yeah, it makes it way easier to design a good dungeon. Like. When you're leaning yeah. into that, like, I know where the player is going to be at all times. I know what direction the progression is going to go in. Mm-hmm. It lends itself to really smart dungeon design and really clever mechanics around that, like Zelda and her, like, ghost armor. Yeah, yeah, the, uh... Yeah. I, like, I, I, I really like both these games a lot more than they got credit for. Um, I don't think they weird. hold up particularly well, but they, they were ambitious. They're... I liked I li- I think I like the lightheartedness of them more so that like so many of the other games just kind of feel like they're rehashes of similar stories whereas these ones are kind of just doing and, their own thing which is fun finally and they have um, almost a Majora's Mask vibe where it's mm-hmm. like they're sequels to Wind Waker for anyone that didn't know like they are that link actual direct sequels like, like in yeah. the same way Majora's Mask is to Ocarina of Time and in the same way Majora's Mask feels like somehow one of the most successful Zelda games ever gets a sequel, and they told the designers, do whatever! Like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Wind Waker comes out, and they're like... Yeah, yeah. Then, then again, you can tell bo- both of them. I think, I think Phantom Hourglass, they really shoehorned a lot more of the, hey, you gotta show off what the DS can do type yes. stuff into it, because it was the first one, and it was a direct sequel um, to Wind Waker, yeah. And I kind of feel like Phantom Hourglass weird. is the weaker of the two, even it though it feels more most... like a tech demo. Yeah, yeah. And again, I like it, but it it, it always surprised me that people really hated Spirit Tracks when I kind of feel like it's probably the better of the two. But, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like if I was. At one point, I was doing, and I'm going to end up doing this again for Chomping at the Bits, going back to a bunch of old Zeldas, mm-hmm. and I am much more open to, like, I look forward to going back to Spirit Tracks in a way I kind of don't with Phantom Hourglass. I, I don't know. There's, there's some neat ideas in Phantom Hourglass with, like, you know, continually returning to the tower to explore it type stuff um, that, you know, it's neat, but, like, There's a lot of that stealth gameplay kind of tied into that re-exploration that... That I don't love. Is, yeah, a little futzy because in both of these games, uh, you're not playing as Link, you're playing as the fairy that Link follows around. Um, because you're very because, much leaning because into that touchpad. style as control, yeah. Um, which, whatever, that's fine. It works well enough when you're not trying to sneak. Um... I also like the way Zelda takes a way more active role in Spirit Tracks. Yeah. And I always like that idea with that particular version of Zelda because the canonical Zelda of Wind Waker is not like a pampered princess. She is a pirate. Yes. Um, So like getting her kind of in the grid of things is always exciting to me. Not to say like Ocarina of Time Zelda is like some pampered princess who can't fight back. 
but yeah. like the, the whole thing to me is I would have played a whole Wind Waker spinoff where it's like pre Wind Waker and you're just, just the pirate Tantra. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of yeah, I think that's kind of what works with Phantom Hourglass is the just screwing around sailing on your ship because that's a lot of what worked in Wind Waker. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would absolutely play some more sailing around, just exploring. Random in Nintendo. So yeah, we want the Hyrule pirate. We want Pirates of the Hyrule be be could be Hyrule yeah. be. I'm Hyrule trying to do Pirates Black of the Caribbean. Hyrule, yeah, Hyrule Assassin's Creed, Hyrule Black Flag, mm-hmm. Skull and Hyrule. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so tentatively then, I'm going to put Phantom Hourglass at 9, and I'm going to put Spirit Tracks at 8. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the next one I want to bring in here is one that I feel like a lot of people would think should be lower. But I really like Zelda 2, and I only learned this recently. Okay. I only learned this, like, in the past three or four years when I finally, like, made a point to be like, I'm gonna beat Zelda 2. Oh, yeah. And I did beat Zelda 2. And it's weird and archaic and hard and unintuitive, but it's also really cool. Mm-hmm. It's just in the same ways that Simon's Quest is cool. That, like, yeah, they wanted they to make both... something completely different. Yeah, both of those games have a lot of proto-Dark Souls-type design to them going on they have a lot in common the the kind of interconnected worlds that are extremely dense but you know again these were trying to do that on systems where it was kind of hard to visually convey that convey it yeah there's a lot of like tabletop rpg elements that and exploration elements that feel like they're drawn into this there's uh the instance encounters like Mm -hmm. the whole thing was zelda 2 came at a time uh it was a beautiful time in video games where no one really knew what a sequel was yet. Yeah. Like, you had The Legend of Zelda, which was this certain kind of game, and The Legend of Zelda 2 was just, all right, well, we're going to take those characters, and we're going to make something totally different. Yeah. And they made this game with an overworld map where the battles were instanced. Yeah, they, they made an RPG side-scroller. And like, a good one. It's weird. Yeah. But it's good. Um, and I, full disclosure, and I don't think there's any way I would have, in a reasonable fashion, like maybe when there, I was a kid and there was time to screw around, yeah. I played through Zelda 2 fully for the first time about three years ago with a guide, which is the way to do it. It's At this point. Yes, it's really not needed until the cave system near the end. And when I say... Um, with a guide, I mean, like, the guide was open for when I would hit something that would just make yeah. me go, what? Which is a lot in that game. Yeah, I, I ended up replaying, or not replaying, but finally finishing this game whenever, again, the, the, those GBA remakes, whenever they, like like we were talking about with the uh, Four Swords one that came out yeah. with uh, uh, A Link to the Past, they also re-released Zelda 1 and 2 uh, as their own carts. Actually, I think it's a Zelda 1 and 2 cart. With I, both of them on there. Yes, okay. that that I it would be around that time. I played it for the first time when the yes, uh, yes they're on the same cartridge. I think when the NES Mini came out. Okay, yeah, that was it. Was around then. It was near the end of the GBA life cycle. I think that they that those remakes came out. But anyway, again, it was on, it was on a handheld, so I you know could take it with me and just kind of screw around. Um, 
as a kid, or not really as a kid at that point, because I was 80. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the game is, like I, like we were talking about, borderline incomprehensible in places, but that also, a lot of that is looking back at it in hindsight. The first Zelda was borderline incomprehensible from the moment you pick, you know, turn the game on. Yes. Like they, just, they just drop you in a world. You can miss the first cave and not have a sword. Like, this is kind of what Zelda way to was. play video games, yeah. Yeah, this is, ki- yeah. Zelda 2 just, I think, gets a bad rap because it was, it was just as obscure, but it was also, like, an unknown quantity. And there's this thing we have in our brains that's like, this says Zelda, and I look at it as an adult compared next to all the other things that say they are Zelda, and it's so different. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I really do. I think there's there's a there's there's a very direct connection of like, okay, we want to make a game that's about exploration. You you did it once with Zelda One. What else can we do that's still very much exploration as a as a feel and but is different. They, they, yeah, yeah, they 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 mostly did that. They mostly did it. I think they hid things a little too well for their own good in some yes. cases. It's also um, uh, there's the, there's an awful lot of I need to talk to every NPC in town, otherwise I might miss crucial information. And that's very old PC RPG of it to be yeah. like time to talk to everyone six times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the origin of I am error, my favorite Zelda villager. Oh yes. Uh, so it gets points there. Um, I want to bring that into a little bit because I kind of want to get where you're at in this because I could see it going either way. I feel like that's seven on the list for me. But I feel like that and The Legend of Zelda could kind of go in either direction. I'm. I feel like maybe The Legend of Zelda is six instead of seven because it's just yeah. No, I think I think the first one is better just because it is. You know, I say that, but that's another one where you kind of need a guide. You absolutely do. I I think probably the first one more so than the than the second one, as far as. They just fucking hide shit that's absolutely necessary in burnable bushes. Like, you might again, be right. Some of that you can find information about in game. Some of it is it's in the manual. Trial and error. Yeah, and some of like, it's trial this, and error. This was this was this was back in the read the manual. Read days. the manual. They days. printed the manual on paper back then. Yeah. Um. Some of it was there, but there's there's so much of it is just. too dense for its own good. Um, yeah, I, I could go either way on this, and I think that's very different than most people are I, on it. But, but, but I, I think the first one is still better from a... And because it's the foundation Puzzle for, solving in the dungeons type of a setup, whereas and the, type the second one is way more... The dungeons are about combat. Like there's 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 other because stuff to it's do a two D side scroller. Like there's yes. only when you don't have the top down third dimension, the faux third dimension you get from yes. being top down. You can only do so much with puzzles because there's only so much space. Yeah, yeah. The puzzling kind of amounts to like we were talking about before. I can clearly get up there, but I don't have the spell to be able to jump that high. So I need yes. to go explore, find because because this is another one where you your fairy allows you to cast spells in it. Yes. Um, it's not a euphemism. Yes. It, the, the, 
I'm yeah. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with that order. Um, I think so too. I think I so. Could, I could almost put the Game Boy Color games in these spots instead because I think these are all pretty close to the same. I I probably put I'd probably put the Game Boy Color games here instead personally you okay let's let's talk about those then because they were actually what was going to come up next um oracle of ages and seasons yeah um i'm going yeah let's talk about those so like because i could actually see these bumping up a bit for both of those yeah um i like oracle of ages and i like oracle of seasons i like oracle of seasons more um i feel like the puzzling is better around seasons yeah, it's it's more easy to wrap your head around the idea of what's going uh the the general and more visually interesting, I think. Well, not just yes, A visually interesting, B the 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 core mechanics in this game are in seasons. You have the ability to control the seasons while you're puzzling around, so you can change it from you know, fall, winter, spring. Yeah, fall, yeah. winter, spring in in like, you know, There'll be snow on the grounds, different paths will be covered up, maybe water will be frozen somewhere, but you can kind of keep that thought in your mind, whereas in... uh, Ages is just past and future. Yes, there's a past version and a future version, which is very much the same as, you know, just the dark world in... This building's a Walmart now! (laughs) Yeah. um, So it's kind of a matter of just learning what things look like in both worlds. And they do they do a decent job of kinda you know using that for puzzles, but I think I think the seasons gimmick is a little bit stronger. I think so too, and I think they feel a little bit more like piecemeal because of that, because they feel like two halves of a Zelda game, both with good puzzles. Um, they feature a kangaroo named Ricky that is a boxer, and you can ride around in his pouch. So oh points yeah, there. yeah, the, these are the ones with uh, the pets. Yeah, the basically the the Donkey Kong companions. Yeah, there's a, a crocodile, a hippo, and a kangaroo. Yeah. Um, Wait, no. The, three? There's yeah, three. Yeah, there's, yeah. Let me confirm what they are. I I know. Okay, hold on. The kangaroo, uh, I remember because he's he's like Ricky. I remember Ricky. Gloves that I like. I'm pretty sure you can a punch your way through some things and then b jump places with them. One of them swims, which I think was a hippo. Oh, one of them was a flying bear. Oh, I didn't even remember the flying bear. Uh, so Moosh that was the f- that was the that was the ages one. Oh, it, it might be a cat. Isn't it just no, like the fast all, travel system? All three of them are in both games. You just yeah. you only get to choose one in each game. Okay. There. So there is. Um, oh, that's right. There, there's a whole. This it, there's some interesting things that are done here to improve replayability because your order through the dungeons is not exactly fixed and depending on which companion you have i think you kind of it, it changes change. what order you tra- tackle things yes, in so yes, because basically you can accomplish different tra- tasks with your companion instead of needing all the dungeon gear to get places so basically in both of those games you hit a point where you gain the ability to call an animal companion by obtaining either ricky's flute moosh's flute or dimitri's flute uh I Ricky's think it's like flute. a flying bear. Now that I'm yes, Moosh yeah. is a flying bear. 
Uh, Ricky is a kangaroo who boxes. Yeah. And Dimitri is a crocodile. And basically, Moosh can fly, which can get you over certain obstacles. Yeah. Uh, I believe Ricky can hop over things and break certain things with his boxing gloves. It's been and so long since I played. Dimitri these, yeah. can swim through currents and up waterfalls. Yeah, yeah. I. It's it's neat. Conceptually, I like the gimmick, and I, I like, and I think part of me what. Part of me really liked as a kid was like a lot of the art around this game has like this very it's anime really style to it and like all these designs and stuff. Y yes. Th these games were really made with the intention that, oh, you're going to be you're going to replay this so many times to see the different ways you can get through stuff, which, yeah, kind of. But also. It kind of made your first playthrough feel like you're just missing a lot. Yeah, it made, it felt like a chore. I I distinctly like as a kid there's there's a certain charm to that. Like I remember as a kid when these games came out, I bought Seasons and my neighbor Chris bought Ages mm -hmm. and we were just like we're going to play through them and then we'll swap, which is what we did. Mm -hmm. Um as an adult, I have both of those cartridges get fucked loser. I don't know how <laughs> that happened. Um <laughs> It probably like we, you know, you know, he got to be a, an older teenager and I was still playing Zelda and maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I was Could still into it because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like both those games quite a bit. I could definitely see an argument being made for them being below both Zelda 2 and Legend of yeah, Zelda. I, I, I don't know. I personally, I feel like you just you miss so much. A, a you, it's it's it is so much of the game is designed around the multiple playthrough thing because it's it's even got a <sighs> whichever game you play first you transfer into the second game yes with like a code system thing to see which items you picked up and whatnot um which will change the way some things play out in it with you know kind of with the the idea being okay, I'm going to want to play through these starting with each game in its own, you know, first each time, at least that. And then because of the companion system, man, I could, I could do both of them first with each of the companions to see how different they are. That's six playthroughs. There's so much worth it here, but it, it's also, you're just missing stuff on, you know, some of the other, on, on a playthrough. So here's what I'm going to argue for our tentative order right now, because yeah. I... I'm feeling a certain type of way about it. Let me start starting from number five, which is the current one we're up. To, let me never think this. Number five, The Legend of Zelda. Number six, The Oracle of Ages and Seasons. Number seven, Zelda Two. Number eight, Spirit Tracks. Number yeah. nine, Phantom Hourglass. Ten, Four Swords. I like. I kind of want it. Like I still think it's more memorable to me than Zelda 2. Like, I think Zelda 2 is fresh in my mind because it was only a few short because years ago. Because it was ago. more recent ago? I finally put it behind me, but I think I'd be more eager to replay the Oracle games than to, like, give Zelda 2 another slog. Mm. I don't know, because I, I, I really feel about the same about going back to play either of those. Um, okay. Fair, fairly similar to, to both. Um... That and also the Ages and Seasons thing were not direct sequels to Ocarina of Anything. Time. Anything. But they also felt like sort of... Of a piece with that. There was, a, there was an awful lot of 
you've got to reuse these characters. You've got to make them show up because having having characters show up in a different way is just that's what two D that's what Game Boy Zeldas are. Look at Link's Awakening, but there is like a very good reason for that. Um, yeah, with the no, whole it, dream thing coming up. Whereas in these games, well, congratulations, you're the the big bad guy is Twin Rova for some reason. Um, yeah, in like it's it's just weird. Like it just I don't know. Um, what I'm gonna do? I I I definitely feel like these are lower, but at least to me, just just because of some of the. I'm gonna give you that yeah. because I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um. And there's another one I think I'm gonna have to make a stronger case for coming up. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna save my fight for that. So. Okay. Before we move <laughs> on to the number four spot, um, I'm gonna just read back where we're at. So. The number five game is The Legend of Zelda. Number six, The Legend of Zelda 2, Adventure of Link. Number seven, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. Number eight, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Number nine, Phantom Hourglass. And number ten, Four Swords Adventure. Now, I believe in my head, the number four spot to me is Link's Awakening. And just to get what what's left on the board is a link to the past, Link's Awakening, Minish Cap, Link Between Worlds. Yeah. Josh Fowler, very deep in thought. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure. This is one that I played so much. I've played this game. I don't know how many times. Um. It's one of my favorites, too. It's um, just, the forward down do are all really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's there's an argument for any of these at this point. Um, then again, Link's Awakening is, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of, I can, I can, I can take this argument because of what I just argued for Seasons in ages because it very much feels like a companion piece to uh, a link to the past with the whole, Oh, I've seen all these characters before, but you know, I think that obviously what they did with it, you know, being, Oh, it's all, it's more interesting. Thing. Yeah. Like, spoiler it, alert. Yeah. The, link, the events of a link's awakening are a dream. If, if the title didn't give that away. Um, I think what I find so much more interesting about links awakening is like, it is the kind of game that wouldn't happen today. Uh, like, yeah, Kirby and Chain Chomp and Yoshi all oh, pop yeah, up in this. It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because it's you not fight, just yeah all the Zelda characters that show back up. All the Nintendo characters show up in this. There's sections in this game where Josh alluded to them being in Zelda games earlier, where you go down a ladder and suddenly it's a 2D platformer, and you're stomping on Goombas in these sections. Yes. Uh, and losing a feather item to jump over gaps. It's bananas. Mm-hmm. Um. One of my favorite lines of dialogue ever written in a Zelda game that only worked because of the dream sequence. The first character you encounter on the beach when you wake up is a little boy uh, that says, like, my dad said press B to swing your sword, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking stuff because of the whole, oh, it's a dream, so we don't have to treat it super seriously. Uh, and I, I, I really liked that. I I absolutely love it. Um, but again, if now that we're down to this spot, 
like do do we want to go with the really kind of tongue in cheek yeah Zelda like I, one for for you know top spot because that's kind of what we're fighting for at this place because it's these these are all and these by you know by degrees and not you know yeah at, the, at this point like these top four are like probably my four favorite 2d zelda games yeah and it's all about like which one is the like i can see we could share uh link's awakening for now and circle back around yeah uh where where do you how do you feel about minish cap Minish Cap is one of those ones that I like it. Minish Cap, I like because I'm, I think because I'm a masochist. Minish Cap could be the one that they took the dungeons too far, as far as I remember some of the puzzling in it being significantly harder than the just oftentimes throwaway dungeon puzzles that are in earlier... And Zelda it's worth games. noting that, like Oracle of Ages and Seasons, this is a Capcom-developed Zelda yes. game. Um, and I think it's the best thing that studio did with Zelda. Like, I like Oracle uh, Ages and Seasons fine, but, like, they outdid themselves in this game, I feel. It's and for really good. Yeah. Anyone unfamiliar with, like, the gimmick of Minish Cap is you have an item called the Minish Cap that lets Link shrink down. So not only are... Uh, one of the best genres of games is... Uh, small stuff is big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first dungeon in that game is like a tree stump. Yeah, yeah. And like on gimmick alone, like their dungeon design is clever as hell, and I just love the idea of this intricate death labyrinth is just a tree stump in yes, a field. Yes, all the enemies are just like spiders and snails and, and ants stuff. and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the minish cap talks in a way that's yes. not annoying. It's got a little bird head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they every now and then Zelda does something fun where they're like, okay. This is a prequel to the rest of the Zeldas to explain some dumb mechanic or other. Uh, and Minish Cap is the one where they're like, so why does Zelda have, or why does, why does Link always have this weird green hat? And uh, the solution is, oh, it was because it was a magical talking hat. It was alive at one point. It was alive yeah. at one point, and, you know, it was kind of a whole thing. That's, that's why he wears it a dumb him... hat that no one else would ever wear. It's amazing! Because it's got to look like this, this you know, this sentient fucking... being that was yeah. living on Link's head it's at one so point. It's so good. It's um, so good. Yeah. And for it to be, like, not a Nintendo-developed Zelda game that is so good is another... Like, not to be, like, Cap... You know, this ca- underdog Capcom. Yeah. But... No, no, and and also, I like this in uh, the Four Swords games, but those those built off of the backstory that Minish Cap kind of brought up of the the sort of that proto Zelda uh, mythology of like you know before Ganon or anything with like I call Vani it, uh, and the evil eye and I call it Link's hero for hire days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I like. I I think Vadi is just a really cool, um, the evil bad wizard Vadi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who also not quite as much as Ganon, but Vadi does come up uh, several times. Uh, as the kids say, he's no Zant. Mm-hmm. Do the, the kids say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nah. Uh, they can't all be fuckboys. No, no. What's the the, the Skyward Sword? Girahim. That's the Skyward Sword. Girahim. Although. Zant's the guy that um, uh, the mask comes down and he his tongue comes out and he goes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. ooh, what that mouth do? Like, mm-hmm. 
That's that's what I was like at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like the the whole thing, Girahim is Vadi's trying to summon Girahim is kind of the the whole idea. Who will, there. Who will yeah. in turn summon Ganon? Yeah, it's it's a whole weird. It, it's a lot. But anyway, um, if Girahim's the boss and Ganon's the CEO, uh, Vadi is the hiring manager, mm-hmm. and Zant is yeah. These bad guys just keep passing the buck. Zant is like HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird, weird sentence. Um, yep. I think I I could live with Minish Cap at four, um, because I think to your point, like I think it's really clever and really novel and really fun, but might be a little on the challenging side for some people. Uh, not for me, but I'm a gamer. Tm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I'm again. Like these are all they're all so close i love all of these games at this point um yeah i th- the reason i, I want to cement a four because i think i think the top the, two yeah. are more obvious and that deciding what makes it into because link to the past is in the top two at least i think we yeah, yeah no one's denying that so like what What's so i'm fighting I'm, with <laughs> yeah like that's kind of the thing so I, I think minish cap is four and then you and i both really like link's awakening but i I also think Link to the uh, Link Between Worlds uh, came at like the end of the 3DS life cycle and is like this underappreciated gem that is like the true sequel to A Link to the Past in so many ways and is so exceptional. Yes, ish, but I think it kind of has the opposite problem of it being too easy. Um, that's fair criticism because it's they're doing a really cool thing in this game where it's. It's kind of taking this. This was you, you rented equipment. This was po- in this. Uh, yes, yeah. You 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 rented your your gear, and that was the idea. Was kind of you know this is a post Dark Souls world, even though they kind of influenced a lot of that. Capitalism also, has set in. Yeah, exactly. At this point, they're taking the idea of okay, your death never means anything in Zelda games. You just you just try over from you know two seconds ago, um, whereas in this one. Oh man, I lost a piece of equipment that I really needed. So, um, yeah, what, what's an interesting idea is basically when this game is at its start, um, a shopkeeper is basically set up shop in Link's house from A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is like when you're standing outside a dungeon in this game, there are signs that directly tell you like, these are what the two pieces of equipment need. you need yeah. to finish this dungeon. So you go to the house and I think at a certain point you can buy equipment outright to keep. You, yes, at a cer- it's it's like... Frankly, they probably should have made buying it outright more expensive, but it's it's like, yeah, because you can kind of grind it out if you really want to. But like the mm-hmm. idea is like, all right, I need the hookshot and the boomerang here, so I'm gonna go pay ten rupees a pop to rent the hookshot and the boomerang, and I'm yeah. gonna go tackle this dungeon. Yes, uh, I think, uh, but again, the issue of it being too easy, kind of coming down to, not long into the game, you can just rent everything, and from early on in the game, have all the equipment, and it's not that big of a risk. Like just, just keep some because I'm pretty sure you can, you still have like fairies. So like, all right, yes, I'll keep fairies on me. So if I die, I don't have to worry about you losing can my absolutely it's, it's like overly it's, play it safe. But it's not even about overly playing it safe. It's like there's almost no reason to buy the gear because the risk of death is minuscule in this. Sure. Game. At um, a certain point, your pockets are just overflowing, and it's like, well, I might as well buy the bow now. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like it seemed like they, it was really balanced around. Oh man, I'm gonna be losing equipment all the time, and it's gonna suck to have to grind to get this equipment back. But, but you gotta if be you pretty never bad lose for that equipment, to 
you just yeah you just there's just so much money in this game that yeah. it kind of doesn't matter but i mean like i think they were trying to find the sweet spot of how to make a zelda game less linear which would go a little bit further in things like skyward sword um yeah. also the the dark world of this one and the the getting there there's a whole element where link uh basically becomes like a tapestry drawing and goes into a 2d world uh i really like the art in that it it's reminiscent of like the tapestry murals from wind waker actually which i think is a really yes. cool art design yeah it looks it looks um they've used this sort of like you'd know it if you've seen it It it's like somewhere between like tapestry art and somewhere between like hieroglyphics type you know this like very dramatic almost cave painting style um yeah or they've they've done different ones they've done different ones but it all seems fairly influenced by the same idea of just very stark designs for uh anyway yeah for that stuff and and yeah um i don't know personally i think this is one of the weaker ones but just because they had a cool idea that just really wasn't explored well enough because of you know just the balance wasn't there to make it to make sure. it work. I, I not think... as challenging as it should be so it's almost like leaning the the flaws are the opposite of minishab yeah yeah exactly and I, I personally i'd rather have the challenge there but that's me and i know that everyone is and also if you're having a hard time because of be, this is a problem in gaming in general is is if you're doing well, you get rewarded. That that doesn't work particularly well. Like I get, it feels good because oh man, I'm doing well. I'm getting all these rewards, but also it makes the game easier when you don't well, need it. And it's kind, harder it's kind of whenever like, you're having a hard time. And I feel like, like this how game Mario really Kart, leans into that. Yeah, it's kind of like how in Mario Kart, like the person in last place gets the best power ups. Yes. Which yeah. is yeah, that's that makes sense. Like you can understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can wrap your head around that. This is going to sound crazy because I really was feeling the opposite way, but now after hearing your case and, like, agreeing <laughs> with you, I kind of think we should swap Minish Cap and Link Between Worlds. That's, I don't know. There's just personally, that's my thought. I, really I think you're like right, the, though. I like the dungeon design in this. I like what they're doing with all those weapons because, oh, I, you can have whatever item at any point in the game. It's neat, conceptually. But I also... But- like the dungeon design in Minish Cap a lot, and also yeah. those dungeons are a lot more challenging in a way I think is rewarding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm... Are you okay with Link Between Worlds 4 Minish Cap 3? I think so. I think, I think that's... I don't know. That feels better to me having not played both those games in a few years now. So, like... Yeah, I, I having, played... Having to go back and re... This might be one of those things that were after replaying all these, they kind of move a little bit. We just do this topic again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, this again, but with fresh playthroughs. Um, all right. Would be uh, interesting. I think I'm comfortable with that. So I'm going to move on to the final discussion here, which is we currently have the two best 2D Zelda games at the top, but which one of them is the best? Is it mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past or Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening? And I think a lot of this boils down to kind of what I was mentioning earlier about whether you want the play it straight version or the kind of after this tongue in cheek. I'm 
I'm going to have to make the meme of the like a guy with his girlfriend looking at another girl, but it's me and a link to the past, and I'm just looking over at Link's Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, wow, who is she? Uh, I, I can uh, see arguments for both. Like, I get and totally agree with the idea that, like, a link to the past is probably, like, tenfold. It's a bigger game. It's a more structurally sound game. It's got yeah. better dungeons. But, like, there's something about a link. Link's Awakening. <laughs> the developer specifically cited that they wanted to make a Legend of Zelda Twin Peaks style adventure. Yeah. Right? And that doesn't sound bananas to you. And. Uh, they remade it is that. Link's Awakening. They didn't remake A Link to the Past. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I, it, that was my first Game Boy game. <sighs> yeah. That might be like a part of the nostalgic appeal there. But that remake's really good too. The, the Game Boy Color really release with the Color Dungeon is really good. Yeah. Um, Both of these. Are, these are the two best Zelda 2D Zelda games. I have no yes. problem saying that. Those are two, my two yeah, favorites. Yeah. Um, but man, I, I don't know. I could, yeah, I could go either way. I, I really like both of these because they are in that very early. Link's Awakening like, was the SNES game. gated um, stuff. Yeah, like they were um, open, and uh, it was open in the same way. Open the original same way Zelda, Zelda was, One was, but it feels um, like there's more reason to the world, and there's more going on in it. Yeah. Um, but point point being that most of the stuff that blocks you off is like from an item. Um, so, in most Zeldas, thankfully they took this from both of these going forward. Um, all the way through. Um, after this point where if you just go get an item from a dungeon and don't finish the dungeon, you can keep on having it going with the story because oh, I yeah. can get where I was stopped supposed from. to go. Yeah. Here's a weird thing to um, think about. Cause this is a thought I had today while I was preparing for the show. If, uh, both of these games came out in the last 10 years. Yeah. Link's awakening would have just been a $30 piece of DLC for a link to the past. <laughs> Probably. It would have been like, go to this weird island, and that would have been the yeah, expansion. Yeah, because it would have been easier at that point than making a new art style. Yeah. Or, or any, yeah, like, just, just put it in the same thing. Hmm. And that's why part of me, like, I, Link to the Past is definitely more influential, more impactful. Yeah. And definitely stronger dungeons, and because it, it, it it's such a bigger game. Like Link's Awakening was the bite-sized Game Boy version, and it's great, and it uses yes. that hardware exceptionally well. Um, but I do genuinely think a Link to the Past definitely deserves to be the number one 2D Zelda game. Probably. Um, there's just so much more. Like like we were saying, just just because of the hardware limitations at the time, there's just so much more of a world to explore. Um, yes, like the villages in this game feel huge in in uh, by comparison. There's more houses in like Kakariku Village in A Link to the Past than there are in like all of 
Yeah, like Link's all Awakening. The, yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of works, ish. You know, it's just a little island that you're exploring, but also exploring is a a big part of Zelda. Um, yes. And, and, and it, you don't have quite as much to explore in Link's Awakening. Um, and I think all the the best parts of Link's Awakening come from how small it is because because it was this small game, they were kind of allowed to do whatever and do weird shit, like mm-hmm. put Chain Chomp and Kirby in there, and yeah, and Yoshi, and and it's it's just really, weird dialogue. Yeah, and uh, and oh, what's his name? That Frog Prince guy. Oh fuck! What's that from? I, that's from the other game the Link's Awakening team made that yeah. never came out in the U.S. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, yeah. I need. I actually somebody oh, translated that to English recently, and I want to play that. Yeah. Let me look up the name of the game. I can't remember what it's called. But, uh... And it's a Zelda like that game. Yes. Yeah. Like he shows up. They'll. Oh, what's there's also that different thing, but there's also that frog. Not not the frog prince. Anyway, there's so much in this game. It's 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 bizarre. I love it. Um, but I'd have a hard time putting it over a link to the past. I think just because of the scale. It's like the the difference in scale is pretty huge. Um, yeah, I dungeons think... are really strong in both. Um, Agreed. And some of those like two D sections are really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't find the name of that game. I really like a lot of the stuff they added in the later versions of this, like the DX one. The is, the color dungeon is the, yeah. Is the color dungeon is is good. Frankly, I think it's the weakest dungeon by far, which shows how strong the rest of the dungeon design is in this game. Uh, that they added in something that was you know for the frog, the bell tolls. The fr- yeah, okay. Karu no Tami Nikan, Wanaru. Yep. Oh yeah. Um yes, that is uh anyone interested in this, I would highly recommend it. I have it downloaded on my computer somewhere. They someone has made an English patch for this and it is a very Zelda like Game Boy game from the team that did Link's Awakening. Oh, yeah. Um that never came out in the States and it's worth looking into. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I think for, for every point you just made, like like it's, Awake, it's, yeah. it's experimental and everything it experiments with I think is really neat and really novel, but Link to the Past is just the bigger, more polished game, like... Well, that, and I think... Maybe more polished isn't even the right word. It's not even it's more polished. Link's Awakening doesn't feel rough around the edges by any stand. No, no. I think think it has to go to A Link to the Past because it set the foundation for so much. Like, yes, the original game, the first two are, are, like, really, you know... The game's about exploring. You can do all this other stuff. But then going forward, a lot of the thematic and story elements are finally getting nailed down with yeah. uh, A Link to the Past because you get really cool stuff like, you know, the light and dark worlds. Uh, that, that You know, the concept of having two different maps that have the have, Which you know, the first time so, you yeah. experience that is like insane it's like yeah Yeah. you feel like you beat the game and it's like there's a whole nother map now Mm -hmm. um it's like finding the upside down castle in symphony of the night it's the same feeling yeah yeah it's it's uh, yes 
Exactly. And then they use it so well. I think that that concept alone really kind of puts it ahead by by a decent enough chunk. Like I personally love Link's Awakening. Same. But there's just there's so much that was hugely influential from A Link to the Past that we just, you know, you see everywhere else because we of stand this the windfish, but you know, this mm-hmm. we had to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think I'm comfortable locking it in. So if you're good, Josh, I'm gonna read I back the so. list in order from. So, let me read I, this back. I could to still you. go either way on this last one because I like I, I absolutely love Link's Awakening. We'd, but I I agree with you. But we'd be here all day if we yeah. did that. Uh, yeah. So I'm just gonna read all, the the number one the best 2D Zelda game is the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, followed by the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds, The Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2, Link's Adventure, Legend of Zelda The Oracle of Seasons and The Oracle of Ages, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, and The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventure. I really do need a Four Swords Adventure on Switch now, just like that stupid... That's... Why not, right? Well, just... Especially since we both bought Crystal Chronicle because the and issue with it, it. Be, the issue of it, you know, being tied to the Game Boy thing. And yeah, no, we've not. We need to add We more bought games. that and then did not play it. We need to add more games to the list of things we're not going to play together. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we keep trying to think of like when we have, like my next few weeks are so busy, but the next time we can sit down to stream together, maybe we should just finally do that. I, I'm we both curious. have it. Yes, we do have it. I feel like it's got to be working by now. We got to do a test run. It's not, not just that. The thing I'm worried about was the game didn't just have that Game Boy issue. It also had the you move your safe zone with you issue. And playing it with two players means one of you has to carry it. The worst because someone always has to carry it. Whereas if you're playing it solo, you've got a Moogle to just fly it around for you. But playing it two player meant you're playing it one player and someone's playing as the fucking Moogle. Yeah, um, someone's your pack mule. They, yeah, I mean, it, you could drop it down anytime you got into a fight, and like, oh, it's it's stationary now, and you fight around your stationary safe zone. But like, I don't want to say this didn't happen because maybe it did. But I feel like the other big change I would have made if I was remaking that game is just have, have, the, have the Moogle no matter what. Yeah, no, that that needed to happen because that was kind of really frustrating. Because I did play some of this game two-player multiplayer at same the time. that was the most i could get and it yeah. just felt like one person did, was like walking holding this dumb thing until yep. like all right drop it there's goblins yeah and part of that is neat conceptually if it's more of a like a horror slash survival type thing but like okay, not we're, we're getting in a fight yeah. we've got to drop this thing and stop and defend it it's the same but, reason like classic resident evil ups the stakes by having you have to stand still when you shoot yeah yeah but yeah didn't yes. quite work. All I right, love I the think, game solo though. I'm, yeah, no, it's there's there's something appealing there. But I think I, we did it. Those are the ten best two D Zelda games. We did it, Josh. I think so. Yeah. Do you want to take a break and come back and talk about cats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Nice All right. break. Rest. You know. Stretch. Move, stretch move the legs a little bit. Wash so the blood dish, clot. Turn the lights on. Move stave swiftly off, to my brain. Doom. All right, uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> this Sunday, Sunday at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Arena. Sunday, Monster Truck Rally. Rawr. 
That's right! There are gonna be lots of bitches! Lots of big tough guys! Sunday! And yours truly! Down there at the Monster Truck Rally! And we're gonna be wearing... Chomp Gear! Store.swordshop.com Store! You can buy lots of nice gear and t-shirts so when you fuck your bitch in the bleachers, you have something to look at! Raw dogging it! Oh, baby! No condoms! Cause we don't sell those yet! That's right, and if you look up at your sword chomp clock, you'll know how fast you came inside of her. <laughs> C-U-M. That's right. Here, let me tell you about my friend Dale. He's going to tell you more about the store.swordchomp.com. Dale, take it over. I tell you, I went on over to store.swordchomp.com, got myself a t-shirt, got myself a hat, got myself something for my dog. It's a good deal. That's right, Dale. That's right. So if you're interested in repping your favorite podcast while watching a bunch of trucks slamming into each other, head over to store.swordchomp.com. Store.swordchomp.com. This Sunday. 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 I like titties. And we're back. We're ready to talk about video games. Uh, as you might have been able to tell, it's probably going to be a lighter episode this week. Uh, topic is fun. We didn't play a ton of games, but the first of those games I want to talk about is a game I've played very little of, and Josh has played uh, almost an entire day's worth. Uh, Stacklands, out on Steam. $5. Weird. Cool. Tell us about Stacklands. So, Stacklands is... A Euro game, like an engine building Euro game. If 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 you're a board gamer who uh, is is like a probably the closest point of reference, um, but a real time version of that, um, ish. You can pause it and give commands and then unpause it so they play out. So you know it doesn't get too overwhelming. I only learned that about twenty five minutes in. I played for the first several hours without doing that because I didn't realize it was a thing and I also didn't realize it would be that necessary uh, until I got to the point where um, as you start the game you've got like a very low limit on how many cards you can have out on your like play field um, that you can then there are ways to upgrade that later on um, yes I found um I remember what the first card you get that's like increases your inventory, but I, was it yes. a shed? I made a shed uh, yeah, before I like even a made shed. a house. Yeah. Um, yes, very, very useful, but also extremely complicated once you get it there. Um, it is a real-time, kind of like I was saying, engine-building game where you are uh, essentially given stacks of cards well, that's like individual cards that have that, that represent objects. Do something. Um, for example, whenever you start the game, you get like a booster that's got like five cards in it or whatever. One of which will be your villager, who will go around and do whatever you tell him to do based off of um, what, what other what, cards, whatever you, stack cards you stack them on. Or um, there will be eventually like enemies who will come attack you and. Uh, you need to make sure they've got enough food to eat because the whole thing is on like a 
they call it moons, so I guess like a month moon cycles, yeah. Timer, like you've got to have so much food by the end of the month to make sure that you've got enough to feed your villager, basically, um, to make sure everything still goes. At the um, end of a cycle, yeah, every living villager it, yeah, every, has every, to eat, and if they don't everybody. eat, they die. Um, with the kind of the interaction being then that okay, I've got all these cards. What do I do with them? And kind of in that Euro game fashion, well, you can turn some cards into others, like. Trade them, you know, like resource management type stuff. Um, you can build things with them. Like, all right, I've got um, some sticks and some wood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a house over here. Um, and a lot of what you're doing early on is building stuff to make better stuff to then resell it to the shop and buy more booster packs. Um, because early on, you don't have a lot of options. You've got, like, a few cards you can deal with, and you also don't have a lot of information. And the, You just want to make sure your villager's fed by the end of the cycle. And, yes. Because if you run out of villagers, that's the end of your run. Yes, yeah, you, 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 you lose once all your villagers have died, either by starving or by getting killed, which is a very real possibility not too long in, too, because sometimes... A few cycles the, uh, in, I had opened a portal in which goblins poured out of, and yes. I was like, oh god, but I had, I believe I had militiamen by then. I had combined yeah. spears with a villager to create militiamen. Exactly. Um, sorry, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think how to explain this to a gaming crowd and not a board gaming it's crowd. Super because It's simple, is... but there's a lot going on. Yeah, because it really is much more of a board gaming thing that happened, like it would, it'd be an unimaginable pain in the ass to play this as a board game instead of well, as a computer game, uh, but I mean, it's, like, it is... I think I could break it down pretty simply, because it's, you're looking at a board which basically represents your tabletop, and you have this space with cards, yeah. and it's as simple as, okay, I need a house, so I take whatever it is, two wood, two stone, and I stack a villager on top of it, and now there's going to so be a time build, lapse, yeah. and it's going to make a house. Then from there, now I can take that house, and I can stack two villagers on it, and they phonicate. <laughs> and that makes a baby. Baby stroking. All this stuff. Yeah, they be stroking uh, from the ad and <laughs> from Clarence Carter. Um, and all this stuff takes time in your cycle. Certain things take longer than uh, than others. For example, it takes multiple cycles for once you have a baby, the baby has to stay so in the house until up. it grows yeah. up and becomes a yeah. villager. Yeah, which kind of leads to you. Not everything is done by villagers, but most of the important work is done by villagers. And so by having more villagers, you can do more stuff. But it's, most it's a pretty big investment. You don't need one for everything. I mean, like, you can yeah. cook food just by putting it on a stove or on a fire. And, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, like, any of the building stuff, you need someone to, to do the building. And so you get a lot more done by, uh, having, by having more villagers. But that also means um, you need to have more food at the end of a round. Yes, and especially with, like, like you're saying, by having babies, you're feeding them for a long time before they're able to do anything for you. Before they're even you. contributing, yeah. Yes. Um, also worth noting, when a villager dies, they don't go away. You now have a corpse card you have to contend with. Yeah, that just sits there filling up space. But if you have two, um, you can combine them into a graveyard. <laughs> yes, which is, which is useful, because then you can either explore the graveyard or or sell it to get this you know the card space back but especially early on like we were saying the 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 number of cards you have is the major limiting factor because you start off with something like a you can have a dozen cards um of which your villager is one um 
all the food you need to eat is one. However, if you eat it, it like it's you eat food before your card is you know your cards before are counted, they tell you yeah. Uh, at which point you have to basically discard down to your actual the hand size you're supposed to have. You can go way over that in between, also, but then have to really sell off a bunch of stuff to also worth noting. Working. Check the corners of your table when it's telling you to delete cards because sometimes you have wild animals loose in your table that yes. both count as a card and they shit and their shit counts as cards. So a, I've got a, a stack of twelve counts poo as cards. cards. B, uh, there's there's an interesting thing there where animals kind of contribute because of like you know some of them do. or like some of them like cows will make milk or whatever else. Chickens but, will lay eggs. Yeah. Yeah, but but they all count as cards. The eggs, the chickens. Uh, all of that, and it can balloon really, really fast if you're not paying attention to it. Um, it's I, I also really the animals like this engine building move around the stuff. board, which I hate. Like I yeah. get why they do it, but it's like if you have an animal card, they'll, it's they'll actually move all your other crap around. They'll it's like knocking shit stuff. everywhere and yep. disrupting your stacks. And later on, you can get. Pens or animal pens of, pen cards yeah. that will let you stack the animals on top of it so they stop running around it, everywhere. It works like the 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 coin chests, I guess, right? Yes, it's the same sort of idea. Like, let's okay, we're gonna clear up some space on your board. It counts as an extra card, so you've got even less card space. But, but it's sometimes less it's worth it instead of having the animals out just screwing up everything. Yeah, I see the value in that for um, sure. I I really like this sort of engine building stuff of it's like that that feeling of exponential growth. Um it does it does that sort of We talked about this some with uh um Ah oh fuck. It was it the card game from last year? My brain just, uh, just inscription? Inscription. With inscription, uh, that feeling of like entirely oh, broken things you can do but like just this exponential growth feeling uh where in that game there's not really a lot of exponential challenge growing along with it uh whereas this game if you're not exponentially growing you'll sometimes get left behind and like you were saying with a portal that opens up with a ton of goblins like i've got no one here remotely qualified to fight all these guys all of a sudden, um, you have three corpses on your hands after this goblin invasion. Yes. Um, and it's, it's really about just building a finely tuned machine. Um, because, oh man, the, the, the goblins got me last time. I need way more villagers who are, you know, trained to do fighting, which is great, except once you train them to do fighting, they're good at fighting. They're slower at doing all the other chores that you've got to do. Um, and so, like, you know, it's really easy to get yourself from, you know, solving one problem into creating another one. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I can feed all these guys that I've got. I, I thought I needed a bigger army here. All but these hungry soldiers. Yeah, yeah. It's very much about that. Um, A, a lot of this is th- sort of the, the uh, and that's basically like the, the RTS feeling happened. of like, all right, I... I, I need these eight it's things. It's resource management. How, yeah, it's how, yeah. Do, how do I get these eight things I want? And you can't get all of them exactly how you want, but you, you'll, you'll figure out how to make the compromises to get the job done, uh, you know, long term, which, which may take a while. Also, kind of like I was saying before, 
a lot of the bottleneck early on is information uh, because almost everything you do, you accomplish by stacking cards, which, you know, will then turn into different buildings or resources or whatever else you'll need, uh, which will happen even if you've not been told that that's what they do. So you can kind of screw around with and a lot of these cards. And that is a way you can learn, yeah. But and also you get information cards. That yes, you, you will that, also yeah. get, uh, every now and then you'll open up a booster pack and it'll have an idea. Like, hey, dummy, have you thought about, you know, maybe w- what would happen if you let, lit some sticks on fire? You, you, want, you want to try letting some sticks on fire? Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be able to cook food. And I was like, yeah, um, I'd like that. Um, which is neat because after a few rounds... You'll have um, your information always stays with you. You've got like a codex that, if you need to go back and refer to it, you can, you know. And yeah, stop that was the, look the at. thing I had to contend with first because I wasn't sure. The minute you get an information card, just sell it. Yes, yes. You have the info now. Just get it off the board. Mm-hmm. I like some things you just find by trial and error. Like I talked about graveyards before, and I found it like my second villager died, like, and I was oh, like, I, I haven't been able to get rid of that now. corpse card, but let me just stack them, and then it yep. made a graveyard. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you'll find kind of by by accident, but some of it's way too complicated to accidentally stumble into. Um, well, it's like arbitrary combinations. Like, I can't even remember off the top of my head what a house is, but it's like yes. three wood, two stone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a villager, like whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really <coughs> like Excuse this me. because it really is, I, I, I've talked before about that sort of, like RTS problem solving, like just, just keeping track of a million things at once, sort of a, yeah. a thing. And I, I really like this take on it. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. I, I had a ton of fun. Um, there I'm going to definitely play more. I don't think there's any more for you to play. No, no, I actually, I hundred, I, 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 I hundred percent of it. Um, which is when I finally put it down and realized it was seven o'clock. Um, I already have six of 16 achievements in the 35 minutes I played. Yeah, they, they, they don't like go out of their way to hide a lot of them. Um, I'm pretty sure most of them are just for doing whatever and doing anything new will give you, I mean, obviously a new card. Uh, and so it's like just a matter of unlocking all the cards. I'm, I'm pretty sure to. Uh... Anyway, this is more from uh, developers Sock Pop Collective. Yes, and I think they do weird small games fairly regularly. Yeah, I'm looking at their page I, if not now. monthly. There's definitely some all their games are $5. Yes. Yeah, they 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 I I can't remember if it's monthly or if it's like quarterly, but they will it, release a smaller game like this for $5 and a lot of them are really good. Some of them are not because again, they've put it's out a, three games in the past since Stacklands. Yes, which came out March, April, uh, April, April. They put out three games in June alone, all within about four days. Yes. Um, and every now and then you'll get one like this. So it's, it's just like, it's, it's really, really good instead of just kind of the usual, Oh, this is, this is a fun diversion, but like this one is, is solid enough on its own. Obviously if this were a Euro game, there'd be some sort of like competitive component to it. Whereas this is more just kind of, playing against the AI. They have what appears to be an FMV game called Aaron's Bike Trip, and I want to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sock Pop puts out some interesting stuff if you're ever looking for, you know, 
a anything, lot of these anything. seem yeah. like some of them are probably more like digital toys than games. Yes. But like some of their stuff is priced at three dollars. Most of it's five. Yep. Um, they're it's interesting. They seem like they, it seems like they're probably like game jam people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I was saying, I I think. I seem to recall that they had like a Patreon or something where you just get whatever games that they made. Uh, it's been that makes it's sense. been a while since I've really kept up with them much, but I saw that they released this one and it looked like my sort of a game. So, there's a game here called Frog Struggles. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. So if if you like that sort of either RTS micromanagement or you know, Euro game machine, like engine building sort of a thing. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I can spool up these things to, you know, on, on my turn, I'll turn, you know, one resource into, you know, 20 of this other thing by, by playing my cards perfectly. Um, it, it's really much the same sort of a, sort of a vibe, uh, just kind of about, about optimizing what you're able to work with. Um, I think this one caught on a little bit because they even updated it. They added an island expansion thing, which people was talking about this one in a way I don't see people talk about their games. Yeah, I actually I went through all the island stuff as well, which is essentially after you beat what was the last boss, you're able to make a boat and go off to this new island, which is essentially the same game but with a couple tweaks, uh, such as. All, all the all the booster packs that you're able to buy are are different, um, and because you're on this tropical island, there's now a lot of heat, and your food will spoil. Oh God, that so it's hard. So there's a matter of not. Oh, I'm just gonna stockpile all this stuff. It's it's a matter of. Can you store food? I feel like that should. Be- you can. St- Store food, but not in a way that actually matters because it's. Oh, it's, I was hoping there'd be like a freezer card or something. No, and be like, no, I not can that store I found. Food. It's it's really it really is a matter of building the machine in order to be able to make what to you turn need out, when you need it. Yeah, like turn it out quick enough that the spoiling doesn't matter, or but yes. also you want it to just turn it out at a rate that you're expending it and not having to just destroy yes. some of it. Exactly. Um, That's wild. That's yeah. wild. And and then also on top of that, you're you're moving there with one character, and they make it a decent amount harder to get new characters. But there are friendly little monkeys that'll live on the island, and if you give them banana, you'll have a tamed monkey for the rest of the month, who will essentially act exactly like a worker. But you only have had to give them the one food, um, mm. and also they're not, you know directly under your control so say it no <laughs> they since since they, they just do what they want in terms well, of no work. no 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 you'll you'll be able to control them around just like a regular villager but at the end of the month since you've not fed them an extra banana like if if you only have monkeys left you'll still um you don't get a game over in this mode essentially all your villagers if they die uh it'll just kick you back to the main to the mainland and okay. you'll have to build another boat and sail back out there, at which point you'll find your own corpse and the last boat that you were out there with, kind of everything that was there from before. Um, but, you know, you just brought an extra person out there. The monkeys are, are picked kinda, clean. Yeah, able to kind of keep going from there, which is 
Sometimes, sometimes good and bad because a lot of the time you're in a terrible spot and it's like, I wish I could start over, but you're instead of just losing and starting over and kind of starting it's from scratch, real, you're, you, you have to salvage this. You're inheriting you, the corpse. It's a real Roanoke Island situation. Yes. Yeah, it very much. And a lot of, and again, because we were talking about the animals taking up card spaces, if you have too many monkeys and no way to give them bananas, you also can't then sell those monkeys. Because they're just wild animals, and so you can get stuck in a spot where it's like, I gotta kill some monkeys. Yeah, I've gotta kill some monkeys. <laughs> you just gotta go around and kill all the monkeys because you've the got mon- no room I, since I, to since do anything. Gone, since I've been gone, the monkeys have unionized. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel like you might have exhausted it, but I think I'm gonna try and put some more time into Stacklands. That one oh, is. Yeah. It's been floating around the Steam page for a while, and when you told me you bought it, I was like, all right, it's time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it, but it, again, it is it is very much my sort of a game. But Yeah, no, it's it's definitely up my alley, too, in terms of that kind of thing, but damn, did you take to it like water. Yeah. Um, uh, the next thing we both played was Stray mm-hmm. from Blue 12 Studios. Uh, I played it on the PS5. I'm pretty sure you played it on PC. Yes, yeah, I, I grabbed the the Steam. Version. It was include. It's included with PS Plus Premium, so that is where I played it. Um, this game for anyone who's been living in a cave is <laughs> the game where your cat is the thing. Um, I actually have a review up for this on the site. I really, I kind of expected to like this game. I don't know how you're feeling. I know you're not quite done with it yet, Josh. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot more than I thought I was going to because. I kind of went into this, um, and I'll give the quick elevator pitch here. The point of the game is basically uh, you were playing as a stray cat who gets separated at the beginning of the game from your little pack of feral cats, and you fall into um, this walled-off city inhabited by androids, and it's kind of about finding your way back. You have a little android compa- uh, like drone companion named B12, uh, same name as the studio, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is helping you get out and serves as like your springboard and the one who talks to the androids and all that. There is dialogue, but I mean, I, I kind of have expected this game to like coast on the idea that like, it's the cute cat game, but yeah. it's got a really solid world and sci-fi story that I think sat. Yes. I think pays off well in the end. Yeah. That's actually what kind of got me interested in it. Um, a, Exploring world kind of like we were talking about with Minish Cap earlier from a different It's the same scale. Big thing small. It's um, good it's a good genre of works video game. really well to make you pay attention to details. If they're if if a lot of games don't won't do this, but if that's the focus, that's what you should. Like, alright, let's make the focus paying attention to the details. That's sort of Katamari Damasi feeling. Yeah. Sort of like I think I just rolled up the house I started in, which is, you know, like, um, yeah, exactly. And this doesn't have that level of growth, but like, but it does that thing well where like it has platforming elements. It's a little bit more precise in terms of like, you don't just jump willy nilly. You hit X to leap to objects you can leap to. Yeah. There's very little edge of a, uh, of a platform. You can kind of move the stick a little bit to make them move, which spot you're going to jump to. But it's intuitive. It's not like it, it works well. And, it makes you kind of rethink platforming in a way games like this do where like entrances, like gaps and fences you're looking for walking yes. on ledges and places you wouldn't in a typical platformer. Mm-hmm. And it is the, the city, which I believe is called walled city 99 in this. 
Um, I don't know if you see that till later. That might have been a spoiler. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah. I don't know what it would spoil. I think they just um, called it the Dead City early on. Yeah, um, the it's based off the now no longer uh, walled city of Kulun that isn't in existence anymore from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very vertical, which works when you're a cat yes. that can jump around a lot and leap through windows. And on top of that, like this, the city design is gorgeous and dark and dim and all those ways you kind of like. I also really like the choices they made on the design of these androids because yeah. they're very advanced looking, but also their faces are just like just LED a, monitors. It's, it is a very, it is very much that early 2000s um, anime ass looking androids of like, you know, advanced robot that just has a TV for a head, sort of a, sort of a vibe that, that sort of fully coolie style robot looking robot and as Um, you go a little bit further josh because i'm not sure exactly what sections you've gotten to you go to multiple settlements as the game goes on of these androids yes and as you get to some of the bigger ones like i like the idea of these androids have clearly been on their own and away from humans for for a long time yeah so there's ones that are like kind of patchwork together like there'll be one where the head is now like a camera um Mm -hmm. there's just cool ideas there and i think Maybe not to as deep of an effect because that was more so the whole point of a deep, deep narrative game, like something like um, Near Automata. Yeah, uh, I think they do a pretty good job with brushing up on the idea of like these androids have been alone for so long and they're like gripping with the idea of their own humanity. Like they talk a little bit about, especially if you read a lot of the dialogue uh, boxes and stuff and the like letters and journals you find around like these androids are creating their own art and what does that mean? Yes. And it's, I think it's super interesting. It's super well done. Yeah. That's actually what got me interested in the game to begin with was that whole idea of a exploring a sci-fi sort of setting as a fly on the wall, sort of yeah. a, um, and granted, like you said, you have more agency than I was expecting going into because it because of, of the, the whole android. robot you know, companion thing that can also, actually this is talk. the smartest cat in the world. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if, again, I've not finished it, so I'm, they might just ignore that. Part of me was wondering if this is going to be like, oh, it turns out genetically engineered cat or something like this. It doesn't. That's why the, it can I, understand speech. But In like, terms of the cat, yeah. they do not pull the rug out from under you. I will tell you that. And I think that's fine. I think like, I'm I don't more think it will, needs to be addressed. It, I was just curious if they're going to go way did. to do it. I think it'd be dumber if you draw attention to it. Like, yeah. it just works, and you kind of understand it, and what really kind of gets me in the end, and I'm not going to lie to you, I teared up in the finale, like, the relationship between the cat and B12 is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the... Um... Yeah, yeah, so much, so much of the... The character work feels st- doesn't sound like the exact, but like that sort of like the character interactions, even though you're a cat, um, are interesting. Um, well, seeing how these people like they're taking obviously speaking words to the drone B12, yes, but also like the way they kind of react to the cat, like jumping up at a bar and be like, Oh, hey, how you doing, furry little guy? Like they're yeah. excited to see you there, um, as they go about their, yeah, their yeah. days, and also like you. There's one instance in particular where I feel like 
it's really smartly used to your advantage that you're just a cat. Yeah. But also, I wasn't thinking in terms of that, and so I started to overthink a scenario. Yeah. Where you're going into an apartment building you need to go back to. Yeah. And when you get there, there's uh, robot police there. Yeah. <laughs> and they put, like, a caution tape up in front of it, and I'm thinking I gotta find a way around. <laughs> that's not the answer. The answer is you're a fucking cat. Just walk under the caution tape. They don't give a shit. You're yeah. a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was, there was one like that in the first village where, like... It's it's that sort of like bouncer situation, you know, like knock on the do the secret knock. Somebody yes, sticks I his head the, out, and you're like the hacker guy. Like, what, what, what's what's a password sort of thing? And, and the but solution he, is, as soon as he opens the da- door up, you just, just walk, walk between his legs, <laughs> like because you're yeah. a fucking cat. What's it gonna do? Like, um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, later on, I think they used to exceptional effect. I wish they had actually done a little bit more of this, were they to make a sequel to this game or something. I'd like them to explore that option a little bit more. Uh, it made me kind of think of, like, The Last Guardian, which had a lot of, like, I need to convince the animal to do this. Yeah. But in this scenario, you're the animal, so you need to meow at the robot near an object to get him to do the thing you want him to do. Yeah. Be like, hey, lift this for me. Yeah, there's a, kind of like we were saying before, you can undersp- understand speech ostensibly because you're the player understanding the robot's speech to you and then do what he asked you to do. Um, there's also you know, like an inventory that you sub- interact with somehow to give people items. The, so like it's, it's, it's the impression I got was that the, the drone can straight up digitize these objects yes. and he's just the one interacting at that stage and passing the item. And yeah, I don't know. And it, it doesn't need to be, a, it's it does, not, it's not explained and it's kind of like, it, and it's, it's fine. better that it's not. Yeah. Because it, it's one of those things where the conceit is just dumb enough that it's fun of, you know, like, oh, I'm just a cat here, but also I'm able to help people and do all this other stuff. But like, if you were to go out of your way to try to give lore reasons for any of this stuff, it would be, then it would just, it would would be dumber for it. Like, in fact, when they smartly like go like, don't forget this is a cat. That's some of the stuff I like the most. Like yes, when you first activate the drone B twelve, the first thing the cat does is swat it out of the air. Yeah, yeah. And then and then he eventually gives you because he can't keep a charge long enough. He gives you a little backpack that'll keep him charged while you're exploring. And of course, as soon as the cat gets it on, he just rolls on his back and it's like f- squirming around. Like get this thing off me because of course, like you know. Yeah. yeah, doesn't want to deal with that. I've never worn a backpack. Why would I start now? There um some good weird like side questy stuff in here like item trading adventure game style. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's a lot of the game is built around either that again like 90s adventure game like, you know, I want this. Go get me a thing and e- either by, you know, you know, finding it or stealing it, which is kind of what all adventure game protags did. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's there. You eventually trade up to the thing you need to progress. Yes, um, that sort of sort of thing. And then a lot of it, like you're saying, is just exploring the world to find stuff. Um, which there, there's a ton of referential stuff in here that's just silly and dumb enough that I really like. I talked about the near automata thing. Like, there's direct references to near in this. Um, yeah. There is a. I don't know if you've met him yet. He's one of my favorites. There's an android called Doc. Who is I've not met him. I've, okay, when you meet yeah. him, he is Emmett Brown, and he literally says that his machine needs 1.21 gigawatts to run. Great. That's perfect. There's a lot of stuff like that where, like, 
again, this is like a robot society that has, you know, been locked off from the world after humans left them to their own devices hundreds of years ago, at least. Um, and things have gotten just slightly wrong where like, oh, they're, they're remaking their own art with different things, but like they've got posters of it on their wall. Um, there's, there's like Le Mechanique, which is clearly like a Metal Gear-esque type video game series that's yeah. in the world. And they've got these posters for it that are really great on some of the nerd robots walls. There's, um, yeah, the, specifically there's um, actually one side quest I love where you have to uh, get this code to a safe and it's coded in binary. Yeah. And every Android that you ask, and you ask people basically by showing them objects. Every uh, Android you show the cipher to is basically like you have to be a real fucking nerd to understand this. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to yeah, you've got to find the weeb robot. Um, there's like they thread sweaters out of like old cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that hilarious. Like everyone is all the robots are wearing clothes, but it's all weird mismatched garbage. Or some of them are clearly like theming how they're dressing. Yeah, it's just fun. They're having a lot of fun with the world. Yeah, I that's yeah, that's that's what kind of drew me into it to begin with and I'm glad to see that it's paid off so well because it really is it's a fun the focus world to explore. in a way that makes that is I'm glad they didn't just coast on the it's the cute cat game because they made a real that yeah. sci-fi world here's the thing to me and I think this it is, is probably solid. a testament to I would play a game set in that world no matter what it was. Like I'd love oh, to yeah. go back to that world and have it be a totally different style of game where you play as one of the androids. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Yes. Yeah. This In this game, AF talked about, you know, exploring kind of collect-a-thon type stuff with, you know, finding collectibles for the memories and this is a smaller and scale one. But, but yeah, like, one. not collect-a-thon sounds wrong, because that's like, you know, coins everywhere, and it's, There's it's not, not that... There's not that much stuff. Um, there is extra but, stuff to collect, and it lets you explore the world a little bit more, which I think yes. is worth it. Well, point being... The world is so detailed because you are a cat and working at that scale that it's fun to explore even if you don't find a collectible because there's so much stuff going on to give personality. Like, okay, let's look in this guy's house. What's what's going on here? What's what's his deal? And there'll be different stuff around because the different people, you know, are living their own lives and like the attention has been paid to to that sort of stuff. The and set also, dressing is outstanding. The level of sci-fi cyberpunk city this is is more Blade Runner than anything else, and that's my favorite type of cyberpunk city. Yeah. Like the dank, dark neon of it all. Oh, um, yeah. It's... I, I I expected to like this game, but, like, I think it's probably gonna be in the, my top ten somewhere later this year. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's, it's possible. It's real good. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it will come up. It's... Uh, I... Definitely considering going back for the Platinum. The hardest uh, trophy in this game, looking at it for me, is to beat the game in two hours. I think it's doable now that I know the routes. Again, the hard part about that is stopping yourself from stopping and looking at everything. You've got to just know the beeline and go for it. Um, It's so funny because the trophies balance so far in either direction. Like The Mm -hmm. hardest looking one is beat the game in two hours. Then there's a trophy to nap for one hour real time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because of, like you are saying, the whole different settlements and whatnot, there's a lot of missable stuff that you're going to want to go back and kind of explore again. 
to to find unless you're playing with a guide to, to find all that stuff also, or whatever. There's but... four androids basically that you get really invested in the story of from the first settlement on. Mm-hmm. And you get to kind of see what becomes of all of them and how they've all ended up in different places in this world. And every time you see that, I think it's really cool it's when you get to some of the villages that are further out and a little bit more isolated and then the one that's sort of the more metropolitan area there's a lot to see and a lot to take in um i've never felt like a bigger asshole than uh in the second village there are two uh androids playing a board game Mm -hmm. and i jumped on the table and the pieces went everywhere and they both just look so broken (laughs) uh and you get a trophy for it oh. uh, called Cat Lateral Damage, I believe. And But then they won't talk to you anymore. They're just on the floor picking everything up, and they just look so defeated and yeah. mad. No, that sounds about right. That, yeah, that sounds about right. Because, again, you are a cat, and they, they remind you of that fairly regularly, whereas, oh man, there's, this guy's got a nice leather sofa. I better sharpen my claws on it. Yeah, not um, only is there a dedicated meow button, you can scratch things yeah uh, you can there's a, almost any time there's something on a ledge you can knock it off the ledge like paint cans included that splatter yeah. paint everywhere yeah oh i i i'm glad you actually brought up the scratching post thing though josh because uh another great sense of the dual the dual senses uh special vibration mm-hmm. scratching things in in stray feels good on your hands on the ps5 <laughs> like it's like ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got the Steam version because my plan was to get the physical PS5 version. Understandable. If, if, if it turned out kind of how I was hoping. So. I like it enough that I might end up doing that anyway, because I don't yeah. technically own it. It's part of that oh, yeah, PS yeah, Plus premium still, yeah. collection. I'd probably do that because of the subscription thing at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm glad I got to play it without having to pay it for it up front but also because of that it's like you know what i think mm-hmm. i kind of want to buy this and directly support those developers because it's a exactly. really cool game yeah and uh pretty sure i can't remember if that's on i am 8-bit or fan gamer but it's the, the physical version is like a special ed- is, is a special edition so it's yeah. it's more money than just buying it digitally but you also get obviously the thing physical but then with like some art prints and uh it's I am eight bit. Like I think like a patch or something. Uh, I don't know if it's through I am eight bit or someone else, but it's also probably worth noting that there's officially a stray branded cat carrier backpack on the market. Okay, that sounds good. And yeah, it's only forty five for that. Uh, so, so more, but still not like a still full, not even a full priced game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice poster. It's got a patch. It's got um, a nice sleeve, and it's got some would look to be like Polaroid style photos of characters. Yeah. It might. I don't know. They don't have a picture of all the photos in there, but I'm guessing some of them are the ones that are in game as well. It, I would bet that's likely. Yeah. Cause there are quite a few Polaroids that you find or, or not Polaroids, but just photos that you find in game. Yes. But yeah, that's stray. I think that's worth everyone's time. Uh, like I said, I have a review on the site. So if you want to get a little bit more of an in-depth vibe of what I thought of it, you can read that at swordchomp.com. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's really solid from the sci-fi perspective. It's also really good if you want to going around being an asshole to everyone like a cat, but yeah. not feel bad about it like you're playing a GTA game. Just but feel like you're kind of being a little bit of a dick. Just a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Um 
I think it strikes that balance. Whereas I think a lot of the I, I, GTA games are insufferable at this point because they're just it's it's they're fucking pizza, they're fucking pizza cutters. It's just it's all edge and no point at this point. Fingers crossed. I'm starting to hear good things from people that have previewed it because I was concerned yeah. about the direction of the Saints Row reboot. Okay. But uh, the, the take is, and the GTA thing reminded me of this, is that uh, I know some folks who've gotten to play the first four hours or so of it, and they're like, it's less Saints Row 4 and more of kind of a cross between 2 and 3, which are both really good games okay. for different reasons. Yeah. So that could yeah. end up being just delightful. Yeah. Hopeful, anyway. The, the hopeful part is that I know when uh, Destructoid sat down to do their demo, the first thing the devs showed them in the character creator was how to create Thanos and Shrek. There you go. So I think we got a game, fellas. Yeah, that's, that sounds promising. <laughs> um, normally we take a second break here, but I don't think we have anything to do after the break. Yeah, we don't, we don't have the polls and everything to, we don't to have, go over yeah, this week. Yeah, Shay does that. Um, yeah. I, I put some stuff out on Twitter, but you guys gave some very tepid Zelda responses. There's not mm. a lot of divisiveness there, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, we'll just roll into... People like, are saving their spicy Zelda takes for Instagram. Yeah, that's exactly where those yeah. live. Where, um, where it won't come back to haunt you. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll just roll into the general housekeeping stuff. So uh, thank you guys for listening and subscribing and all that fun stuff. If you want more from us, you can get that over on swordchomp.com. You can go to store.swordchomp.com where you can buy all sorts of merch with our logo and all that fun shit on it. Uh, we do other podcasts, uh, Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews developers. I do Chomping at the Bits, uh, where I sit down with a separate team and we talk about old video games. Um... There are articles, as I mentioned earlier. There's a review up for Stray. Uh, Shay's gotten some stuff up recently. Probably more stuff to come, because I'm in the middle of a bunch of preview builds of things. Um, but this has been a short one, but I think that's okay. We held it down. Yeah. We we decided which Zelda was best, and I'm comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess that should do it. Josh, thanks for taking the time to do this duo cast with me. Yeah, it's fun. Intimate. Yeah, yeah. All right, That's, <laughs> this has been fun. I'm Rich Meister again. Big thanks to Josh Fowler. We, the two of us, uh, maybe, maybe Ray will be around then. We can always ask him. We don't know yet. Um, we'll be back next week to tell you about a topic we haven't decided on yet. Mm -hmm. See y'all next week. Thanks again. Have a good night. <laughs>